Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. So let's get to our guest, Jim McCafferty, Joint Head of APAC Equity Research at Nomura. And Jim, thanks very much for joining us. We just saw from Morgan Stanley a few moments ago, economists raising their GDP forecast for China next year to 5.4% from 5%, and they're citing these faster-than-expected COVID reopening measures. I'm curious about Nomura, uh, and I want to ask you whether or not this translates then uh, necessarily to equity price gains, and also as a sort of sidebar to it, does it worsen the inflation problem uh, that the globe is facing? Wow, that's a lot of questions, but I think I've got a few. No, it's just two, actually. Um, One is, is it good for equities? And secondly, does it lead to inflation globally? Well, the answer is yes and yes. Uh, Firstly, on the equity markets, more importantly, what's happening in the U.S. is actually quite pivotal to what happens in Asia, um, partly because uh, exports are very much driving stock markets around the region. But in the case of China specifically, its stock market is more insulated from the rest of the world than many Asian markets. And the fact that China is loosening its approach to COVID will cause an increase in domestic economic activity. As has been identified by one of our competitors, we feel the same way at Nomura, and we are optimistic on stock market conditions for next year. One of the things we think will drive equity prices in 2023 is very low investor positionings right now. Foreign investors own less than 10% of China. China is 16% of the world economy, so there's a bit of a disconnect between investor positionings and the size and the scale of China relative to the global economy. We've just had a story on the Bloomberg in the past 24 hours about the amount of absenteeism that's now being experienced in China. So if exports are driving equity prices and a lot of port workers start going off sick, what's that going to mean? Okay, so for China, be mindful that its economy now has got more of a domestic angle than it has done historically. I think if you go back to the 2000 to 2010 period, then exports as a percentage of GDP was really driving the growth at that point in time. Now, however, domestic consumption is more of the economic story and things like property prices are going to be quite pivotal. So while you've got tightening to a certain extent in the U.S. and the Western world, you've got a more liberal attitude towards monetary policy in China, which will actually help asset prices. So on the basis that you've got relatively cheap money, despite the fact that you've got these, let's say, imbalances in the economy relating to to port workers, etc., we we do think that with valuations at single-digit PEs in many cases, then there's going to be support for the equity market. Jim, I apologize. Uh, you are absolutely right. I did ask a third question, and that was Nomura's response okay. to uh, to China. So I apologize for that. Uh, you handled that quite deftly. Uh, I, I'm curious if you think that the change in policy on COVID uh, also feeds through to a change in policy on tech and maybe 
a little bit of a change in policy on the property crisis. You know, I really think it does. And for policy watchers on China, people like me, people like commentators in similar positions, it's like reading the tea leaves. How, how do we interpret these signals? One thing that we've been considering is that in the course of the last few years, China has been talking about this concept called common prosperity. That's not, a, not out of sync with other big democracies, for, for example, like the US, like Japan, which wants to see a more even distribution of wealth. But one thing investors were very concerned about was that that common prosperity could actually be negative for the private sector. But recently, we've had the big tech in China, the big stock market behemoth like Tencent and Alibaba, starting to talk about returning cash to shareholders. So that gives us some confidence. And the fact that you've got this COVID reopening policy does show that the government is listening to people. Uh, It knows that the world is watching and it knows that it could face domestic civil disobedience if it doesn't actually change its policy. So that in itself, I, I think, is going to be quite a, a signal for investors that mm. China is actually listening to its population. Yeah, you make an interesting point. Um, you know, COVID zero got turned on its head so quickly after the end of the People's Congress and Xi Jinping got his third term. Uh, do you anticipate any other policy U-turns coming? Not specifically. The only thing I would say is that China has been dumped in the basket of Russia-type asset classes. So China, like Russia, like Korea, Taiwan, is an emerging market. And earlier this year, when we had the Ukraine invasion, a lot of uh, asset owners required their fund managers to exit from Russia. And because China is physically proximate and ideologically proximate to Russia, China was put in the same basket. I think the fact that you've got a government which appears to be listening to its population might actually scale back the level of dissatisfaction or the level of antitrust, let's say, of a lot of investors with Chinese equities. And the fact that China is signaling it wants to be part of the global economy more than it did over the last couple of years could be incrementally positive. Jim, does much of Asia benefit as well, either because of China's reopening or due to other factors? It does. So, for example, Japan, which was the second biggest economy in the world, I think it's down down at number three, but it is, uh, well, for Japan, China is its biggest trading partner. So some Japanese companies generate more revenue and profits out of China than they do Japan. Just in terms of population size, Japan has 125 million people. China has more than more than a billion. So it's basically 10 times the size of the population. So for many Japanese companies which are export-driven, they have significant manufacturing capability in China and rely on that as, as a big end market. So yes, it, it is important. And the, 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 the China is, is integral to, to the East Asian economy, especially Japan. What's your outlook for the U.S. dollar heading into 2023? Well, of view is that the dollar will soften, um, and that's really driven by the interest rate cycle being now less aggressive than we thought it was. Um, going back to, let's say, last week when our team published its economic outlook, we were looking for you know 75 basis points increment in uh, U.S. rates, and which would actually see the dollar strengthen or certainly see the dollar being more robust. I think given that the, the U.S. Fed is indicating that inflation is going to be more or less more benign than previously anticipated, then that would mean a softer dollar going into 2023. 
do you fear an increase in U.S.-China tensions? We actually take the view that U.S.-China tensions have probably reached their, their peak level. Uh, going into 2023, we've seen signals over the course of the last few weeks that there has been dialogue between the U.S. and China. Uh, specifically, if we go back to the uh, conference in Bali in Indonesia uh, in the fourth quarter, where we had meetings taking place between Biden and, and the Chinese leadership. Um, so I think a, a thawing in relations is, is probably more likely. And the fact that China has in, indicated that it's no longer practicing the zero COVID policy will mean a return to reopening, a return to, to big business interacting between the two uh, superpowers. And that probably paints a more optimistic outlook for relations during 2023. Just briefly, what's your number one call for next year? Right now, we like Korea. Uh, we feel that this market has had a battering during 2022. Many investors see China has, has been one of the weakest markets in Asia. In fact, Korea has been just as bad and has been driven by a weak domestic currency, the won, also by a stronger dollar. And the fact that many of the companies are in the tech space, which has been suffering from uh, an end to the memory cycle. Yeah. So we think, again, yeah. that dissipates in 23. Very good, Jim. Thank you very much. Jim McCafferty, Joint Head of APAC Equity Research at Nomura. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.